career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? Divorce is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. Kids are gone. Now what? I'll never find love. Why can't I be like the other guys? Hey guys, gay, straight, and everything in between. It's time to get a grip. Stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40 plus life. Let's get to the show with your Tell It Like It Is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick, unless you act like one first. Hey gentlemen, it is time once again for 40 plus Real Men Real Talk. We are back once again talking about the stuff that sometimes us guys don't like to talk about, going into those spaces where we're like, I don't know if we should even be talking about this guy to guy, but we know that when we open up and we have these conversations, things begin to change. And if you're struggling with having those kind of conversations, really quickly, I want to remind you that once a month, the first Tuesday of every month, we have our 40 plus real men, real talk men's chats. They are free. We had a great one not too long ago, had about 15 guys on. We talked all about stuff around relationship and just get on there, look at the calendar, see what we're talking about. Love to have you come join us. But tonight we're going to talk about dicks and penises and everything else because sometimes we ignore this stuff and it's the stuff we most need to be talking about sometimes as guys on how we ignore the thing that could possibly give us the most pain. And I found tonight's guest through a gal who was very persistent that this guy needed to be on my podcast and I got to looking at the stuff and talking to her about him and then he and I had a conversation a few nights ago and I can tell you... We are in for a really good treat. Ron Gore is a physician. He is director of genitourinary reconstruction and trauma at Cooper University Healthcare. And he works with a lot of guys about their penises. I'm just going to say it that way because I think we might as well just be open and get you guys comfortable with hearing that and um, dive into this. And we're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff that most of us guys don't usually talk about. So Ron, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm really looking forward to this conversation tonight. Rick, thanks so much for having me. I'm glad uh, they were able to connect us because I think uh, we'll have a, a great conversation and a lot to share. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of work in this world, not just with men, but you work in the urinary tract, all that sort of stuff, penises, all that sort of stuff a lot. And I'm just going to start right there with, do you see that guys really get uncomfortable talking about this stuff in your practice? They certainly do. And, you know, a lot of men will come to me specifically for issues with their sexual function. Right. But what I found is that, uh, you know, urologists, which is, you know, what I am, we are surgeons of the male and female urinary tract and the yep. male reproductive tract. So we deal with kidney cancer, prostate cancer, kidney stone. Uh, and I mentioned this because we we take care of a lot of different issues. So what I do is I've realized that most men have some issue with their sexual function. So every man that comes in to see me, it doesn't matter what they're there for, I will inquire about how are things in the bedroom. Just to open it up because most men are not going to lead with that, especially with the, the first time meeting you. But as soon as we bring it up, it always leads to more conversation. And why do you think guys are just so, they just struggle with having those conversations? What have you seen be the reason? I think a lot of it is, you know, there's this concept that when men are 
you know, very old in their 80s. It's sort of funny to talk about sexual dysfunction and, Mm -hmm. you know, make you see, you know, 90s sitcoms and, you know, jokes that, you know, older guys make. But what, what I've realized is that men who are in their 50s, 60s and 70s, they don't perceive themselves as elderly because they're not they don't they they don't feel that way they're mentally are just as sharp as they were in their 20s and so right. to them it's not normal so this is not something that they talk to their friends and their peers about and i think there's this sense that a lot of men think that everyone else has great erectile function great sexual function because mm-hmm. they don't talk about it yeah. that in reality is not the case now, and I think a lot of guys, especially in my world as a gay man, what I see is, gosh, if we don't talk about this, we, <laughs> if we talk about it, we are never going to get anywhere in the world. And I think even, you know, heterosexual men kind of feel that same way. Even if you're in a long-term relationship, it's like, this is almost like a badge of honor that if, you know, if it, if it works and it works right and it stands up to attention, then I'm still a man. And then the moment that something goes awry, suddenly they get in their heads. And I think that's one of the things that most guys don't realize is the minute you start getting in your head about this, like the one on your shoulders, guys, not the one between your legs, it actually can really contribute to what's going on. Absolutely. And I think you hit a very important point there uh, in the amount of emphasis men uh, place on their sexual and erectile function. I mean, I've had multiple men who have you know left their families because they said you know if i can't you know perform sexually and i can't be what i think is a man then why am i here what what am i with my wife for and right. you know obviously that's a bit of an extreme and that's not the norm but plenty of men do feel that way and uh, what i found is that the moment that there's any deviation from their norm Mm-hmm. meaning the first time a man has an issue, their world is rocked and they think that something is you know, terribly going wrong. Mm-hmm. And then it really gets in their head, as you mentioned, and it's hard just neurophysiologically to have a good erection if when you are in the moment, your mind is concerned about will you or will you not be able mm-hmm. to perform. Mm-hmm. I can totally relate to that. I remember... Um, I had probably been married to my wife at the time, maybe three years, close to three years. And I ended up having a kidney stone. Of course, I had no idea what it was. I just remember I was in a huge amount of pain and then going to the hospital and laying there and just kind of like, okay, well, we're going to give you some pain meds, but we're just going to have to wait for this thing to kind of pass. And then they finally did the the fluid push and all that sort of stuff, kind of riking it up. And I remember for weeks after that, I was afraid to have any kind of sex because I thought something really big just <laughs> just went through all of that stuff. And uh, is it going to hurt or did it damage something? And I was so up in my head about this, which of course it didn't have any effect on anything. But all I could think about was, oh, if, if that gets erectile, what's going to happen? What if there's another kidney stone? And and all these weird thoughts, which none of that related to anything, but I 
I can totally relate to that. So when you have a guy that's starting to get up in his head about this stuff and they're having those funky little like conversations with that imposter sitting on their shoulders saying, yeah, you can't do that. You don't have it anymore. How do you as a physician step in and start to guide them to a different perspective? Well, the most important thing is to figure out if someone has an organic issue. And when I use the word organic here, I mean, is there something wrong with the hardware? So I'll often break it down for men. You know, you have a hardware issue and you can have a software issue and we have to figure out which one you have. And so I'll ask men leading questions like, you know, do you wake up in the morning and you have an erection? Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and you have an erection? Because that's a normal process for for men to have. Not everyone has it, but it's right. a good question to see, do they have function? Right. Or if, um, you know, often, you know, I'll ask them and men don't want to talk about it, but I ask, do you ever watch any pornographic videos? Sure, of course I do. When, I, when you do, do you get an erection? Absolutely. All right, well, then we know that your hardware is working. So. Right. You are allow, you know, your penis is allowing blood flow in to have an erection. It's keeping it in there to maintain the erection. So we know you're working down there. So now we can focus more on the software issues and try to figure out um, which way to go. Mm-hmm. If they also tell me that, you know what, I don't wake up anymore with erections and I can't last as long. And even when I'm aroused, uh, you know, nothing's happening. Then we go down the more organic route. Right. And I find for a lot of guys that I have ran into and some of my friends that, you know, are in our, we're in, I mean, I'm in my mid fifties and then suddenly they're having these freak out moments. And I'm like, just because you didn't wake up with an erection this morning doesn't mean you're not going to ever again. It just means many different things. Maybe you're just really tired and it just didn't happen. Or maybe you drank too much and everything's numb. Or, you know, I said, and I'm, I, I talk to these guys in this way. I'm like, I'm not a doctor. I'm a coach. But, you know, I, I deal with this a lot with guys in my coaching world because we, we will get into some of this space from time to time where they're like, okay, well, I'm really not connecting to my wife or my husband. Because um, I work with both gay and straight guys. And suddenly they're getting up in their head. And I'm like, well, wait, let's let's back up a little bit. I said, I'm not going to be able to do the thing that the doctor would be able to do to tell you, okay, yeah, the erection's not working, but how much of what you're thinking is causing you to keep that from happening too? And one of my buddies, and then actually one of my clients too said to me once like, well, I'm just not attracted. So I think that's what's happening. I'm like, well, that's another part of the equation. Yes. (laughs) But there's other things that you need to be looking at too. And it is, I love how you say it's the software and the hardware piece because they all, they both play together. There's no doubt. I mean, yes, you could mutually, there is some mutual exclusivity too, but they really do play together. And I think most guys, when they get into this, it's like, I'm broken. That's it. It's just done. And I'm like, no, go figure it out. Go get the help. But yet so many guys are afraid to. And I think especially when we look in the world, of at least what we tend to hear a lot about is prostate cancer. And I think guys are afraid to come in like, okay, I'm going to hear the big PC word. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're, you're putting something in front of yourself that you don't even mean to be focusing on. So I'm curious. I had a friend of mine ask me the other day, he goes, well, 
does erectile dysfunction have anything to do with prostate cancer? And I, of course, my answer was, I don't know, Google it, man, or go <laughs> make an appointment <laughs> with your doctor, right? Yeah. But it's so funny to hear questions like that. I'm like, okay, you're making assumptions here, but I'm, okay, so I told him, I said, hey, I'm doctoring to this doctor, so I'll bring that question up. Yeah, that's a wonderful segue because uh, every guy, not every guy, most guys somehow relate erectile function with prostate cancer or prostate issues just because the words prostate, erection, erectile dysfunction are often lumped together for a variety of reasons. So in general, prostate cancer is one of the leading cancers men have, right? We're, we're all familiar with that. Almost to the point that if you live long enough as a man, statistically, you may, you will likely develop a prostate cancer. It may not be one that causes you to end your life, but right. most men may develop it should they live long enough, okay? Mm -hmm. In and of itself, the cancer will not cause you to have erectile dysfunction. Why people lump it together is because sometimes if you have a prostate cancer that requires treatment, some of the treatments do have implications on your overall erectile function. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why there's so much um, Google correlation for it, right? When right. people see the headlines, that's what they see. So, but just to reiterate, in and of itself, um, if you have erectile dysfunction, it doesn't mean that you have this cancer that's waiting in the winds to, to be discovered. And vice versa, if you have prostate cancer, it doesn't mean that you're going to start developing erectile dysfunction unless you undergo treatments and not even all treatments will cause it. You know, without going truly, truly deep, because I know this is like a loaded question, but what are some of the most common reasons guys do develop erectile dysfunction? Great question. Um, people develop erectile dysfunction most commonly due to vascular issues. So mm -hmm. if you think about it, what is an erection? Erection is allowing blood to flow into the penis. And once the blood flows into the penis, it acts, a, uh, there's these valves that close off to trap the blood of the penis and that's what maintains it. Mm -hmm. So you can have an inflow issue where you're not allowing blood to flow in. Yep. And think about it, if you have, in a heart attack happens when the, the blood vessels in your heart are too small, blood doesn't flow through it and the muscle starts to die, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing, you know, if you have poor blood flow to your heart, if you have vascular disease and, you know, poor blood flow to your legs, there's a good chance you have poor blood flow to your penis. Mm -hmm. And this really, uh, I wanted to emphasize this today, is erectile dysfunction is a very important precursor to heart disease. So what I mean by that is sometimes uh, erectile dysfunction that starts happening into a guy, let's say in their 40s, if they come to me with that issue, and they have no other major medical issues that have been diagnosed, right. my next step is to send them to a cardiologist. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is erectile dysfunction tends to precede significant heart disease because, again, poor blood flow to the penis, poor blood flow to the heart at some point. And so um, that's the number one cause of it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, diabetes is a huge uh, a uh, player in erectile dysfunction, it works a little bit differently. It can impact the nerves and you need to have 
sensation and arousal to get the erection cascade going, if you will, right. and it can impact you on that end and can also impact you by uh, making your blood vessels a little bit smaller and less elastic. Mm -hmm. So those are the two by far yeah. the most uh, common ones and then treatment for prostate cancer. I know there's a bunch of guys listening right now going, oh my God, I'm like borderline diabetes. That means my penis isn't going to work. No, no, just like take this step at a time sort of thing, you know? And I know for me, you know, about the inflow thing, one of the things that I know, and at first I always started freaking out, I'm a cyclist, right? I used to be a really avid cyclist. I haven't cycled a lot recently, but <clears throat> I know that sitting on a bike seat will kind of affect me at times when you know it's after a ride or something i'm like okay well i can't get an erection right away and i know because I, i've been that pressure has been sitting there and so i have to be really careful and i got the right you know i have the right seats and i have the ones that have the grooves in them now but i the first time i was like oh my goodness i can't i, I can't get an erection well you just rode 70 miles sitting on a little tiny <laughs> seat exactly. and you know it's like okay that pressure's there and even then on top of that i was actually teaching spin class an, an insane yeah. amount of time and yeah. so my doctor said you know what you're gonna have to take it a little easier rick i know you love your cycling and everything but you need to take it a little easier and you need to try to come up ways he goes especially when you're teaching spin class he goes i would highly suggest that since you're the instructor you can obviously get off the bike and walk around and do stuff. And he goes, I'd suggest you start doing more of that. And he goes, you know, kind of limit how far you ride or if you're going to ride, make sure you're taking the right amount of breaks and stretching and, you know, loosening up the boys down there when you get off the bike for a little bit, you know, you know, basically letting your, letting your penis breathe, so to speak is the way he put it to me. Exactly. So, yeah. But um, we all need some air right here and there. We all do. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I swim more now. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, so what is the thing that as a younger guy, I know you're, you're younger than I am that, and with the insight that you have that you would recommend to young guys doing, even though this podcast is for 40 plus, and I, I feel like 40 year olds are still young guys, but what is some stuff that they could do to like really keep their erectile health, um, on the right track? So one is understanding the difference between you know, your stated age and your biologic age, right? So you can be uh, 32 years old um, with diabetes and high cholesterol and sedentary and a stressful job in, you know, or not a great relationship. Mm -hmm. You can have all those things. And in reality, though you're 32, you're functioning more into your 50s and 60s and vice versa, right? We've all seen men who are in their 60s low stress in good shape in a great relationship and you know they're functioning like they were in the 30s so you know a, a lot of it is having a little bit of self insight really kind of auditing yourself and being honest with yourself are you living your best healthy life are you and not just in terms of weight and diabetes but you know, more holistically, are you taking care of your mind? Are you in a good relationships? Do you feel like you have a good network and support? All of those things are very important, I think, and, and things that are not emphasized. So I would say being honest with yourself about where you are. And if you don't think you're where you need to be from a physical health perspective, mental health perspective, work and relationships, to start working on those things. After you do that, 
then realizing that it is normal to start having issues with your sexual function and erectile function, meaning orgasmic dysfunction, ejaculatory dysfunction, and or erectile dysfunction in your late 20s, 20s, 30s, 40s. And so you're not alone. And that often makes people feel a lot better. I think it's it's really interesting when guys finally embrace this. And I love that you brought up this stated age versus biological age because a few years ago, I was doing a seminar or a weekend retreat for men. And <clears throat> one of the other presenters was speaking on this exact subject. And he wasn't a doctor. He was a guy, I would say he was probably late, late fifties at that time. Yeah. Cause I was, I was, I had not turned 50 yet and I know he was in his late fifties. And when he got up to speak, he's like, you know, so basically, you know, I'm one of those guys that all of us could become, you know, the junk isn't working quite the way it should. And so we knew what was going down and all this. And then the most shocking thing came out of his mouth. And he goes, I have had erectile dysfunction ever since I was a teenager. And the guys in the room all started like, what? <laughs> With yeah. the most ironic Absolutely. thing being that his son was sitting right there in the same retreat with this. And he said, yes, I have had erectile dysfunction since I was a teenager. And I have literally passed down this issue to my son. And mm. it was a really great conversation because there were so many guys in the room like, wait, <laughs> this is only supposed to happen to the old guys, right? Yeah. And it was yeah. a really interesting perspective to bring forward and to see how he's navigated. And of course, you know, there, you know, there were the bonehead guys sitting there and go, well, if you can't get it up, how'd you have a kid? I'm like, really, man, are we going to have this conversation? <laughs> You'll be surprised how challenging that is to explain. Yeah, it's very challenging to explain, but um, yeah. it, I think it's the more we can have those conversations. And I love what you just said about, you know, your stated age and your biological age, and especially to guys that are sitting here listening to this. Yeah, you might be in your 40s or you might be, I mean, my 40s were my, I loved to be, I loved my 40s. They were just like, wow, I was like in my, I'm not going to say prime, but I was in a really good space in my life. But I was also really stressed, mm -hmm. lots of stress and not like go, go, go. And as I watch young entrepreneurs, especially young male entrepreneurs, I think you have no idea. You have no concept of how much stress you're putting on your life thinking I got to go build this vision and this dream and everything. And everything's like, go, go, go. And, you know, just, you know, go for it and kick ass and all this stuff. I'm like, you have no idea what that's doing to your body right now. That will, you know, years down the road hit you like a, and maybe not many years down the road will hit you like a brick, you know, thrown at you and go, okay, what do we just do? But, um, do you get, a higher percent, and this I know this is probably a low, simple question, but do you get a higher percentage of guys 40, 50, 60, or do you see guys from all age ranges? You know, is there a predominance in one particular age range? I mean, statistically, I'm certainly seeing men, you know, over 55 to 60, uh, just because they are the most willing to come and they're the most 
who have organic dysfunction. I, I think there's a huge number of 30 and 40 year olds who are just not willing to come in. Mm -hmm. uh, I also think there's a lot of people who are younger who self-treat. Yep. I have tons of guys who've tried a variety of herbal things over the counter, whether it's Yohimbine or there's this thing, terrible marketing name, but I guess it works for them, the horny goat weed, which is a very popular <laughs> herbal that's been that's used. Um, and now they have those online sources like, you know, for hymns and right, Roman right. and all that stuff that basically is giving you generic, you know, Viagra and Cialis right. uh, through a, you know, somewhat of a millennial friendly application. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're not always coming in as frequently, but they, they are coming. So when you when you see those, and it's interesting that you brought hymns up because they have approached me a few times about you know wanting to be a sponsor of this podcast, and I don't typically take sponsors; it's just not my gig. <clears throat> um, but I've always questioned, and it's this fine line between okay, is the medical prescriptions right or the holistic approach right? What's your perspective? And I'm not trying to get you to say, oh, you got to go to the doctor, but is you know, are you seeing that the holistic sort of stuff and some of these herbs and stuff are working for these guys? Or do you think it's more psychosomatic? Well, in general, you know, Yohimbine and, and horny goatweed, as they say, it, they, they can work, but they all sort of work by uh, sort of increasing your blood pressure to some degree. So mm -hmm. part of it is you worry about the side effects Yep. They are not FDA approved. So yep. uh, there isn't sort of a regulatory process confirming the purity of what you're getting and mm -hmm. dose and things like that. So while, yes, there are people who get relief from it, at least if you're taking a generic version of, uh, you know, Viagra, Cialis, Levitra, right. you have uh, safety knowing that this has been tried and true since the 90s in millions and millions of men. So th that's my take on herbals in terms of where you get it from and whether you go the holistic approach or not, um, you know, you're not going to get the 360 care right. that you get from an in-person interview mm -hmm. with someone who specializes in this that cares about it right. because you may see a physician that says, Oh, you're having probably the erections. Here's some, you know, sildenafil, you know, mm -hmm. go see the urologist. Right. Right. And, um, so for hymns and you know Roman these things, I think they 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 have they're disruptors, right? They're mm -hmm. industry disruptors in the sense that they've identified a better way of getting to people, and I think uh, ultimately it drives our field and everyone's field forward to mm -hmm. bring some of these things to men. Well, I think it's kind of similar to what we're seeing happen in the cannabis world at this point that. I live in California, so, you know, cannabis is a legal thing at this point and not illegal. I want to make sure everybody heard me right. It is legal in California. I think most people know that. But because of that, there are so many different strains of this stuff being developed and there's no regulation. And I have somebody very close to me who has really struggled with that to the point that that person suffers chronic vomiting anytime that is used. And it's because the strains are just unregulated and of course the amount of you know pot that this person uses too but i think this is the space where 
yes, find what works for you, but also be realistic. Talk to your doctor about this. Say, this is the route I'm taking. And I think most doctors, I know I love my doc because he's like really straightforward. He goes, sure, you could do that. But he's like, here's, let me tell you why I would not going to tell you you can't, but here's the things that you probably need to know about that. Because I'd rather be informed than like, okay, let's, you know, and, and especially me being a branding marketing guy, I know how branding marketing works. Like, okay, we're going to do this and it's going to get everybody like, you know, bowing down to this and following it. I just think for most men, if they really thought through this and if the thing you're most worried about is it, your penis is broken, think about how best you'd like that fixed. Do you want it fixed with something from a lot of heavy-duty marketing, which even Cialis and all that stuff, yes, at times it's really heavy-duty marketing, but or would you take the risk of something you don't really know a whole lot about and then find that, and I'm not saying, you know, horny goat or any of those aren't, but you may find out that it's actually causing damage or now you get frustrated because it's not working and then now you're even more up in your head about this stuff, so... Uh, I guess my message to that is, and the reason I wanted to bring Ron on is, you know, guys open up, have the conversations, <laughs> realize, yes, your penis is not broken. It's just behaving differently and get to the root cause of what the, the behaving differently really is all about. So, exactly. Anything else, yeah. any part, other advice you'd like to give before we wrap it up here, Ron? Cause this has been really great. I've loved having this really cool conversation, but anything else you recommend to the guys as they're struggling through some of this stuff? Yeah, well, one, it's been it's been really great chatting with you because I, I think one one thing that can be actually very great for patients who are dealing with this type of stuff is you know not all urologists are you know created equal, right? Some have interest in certain things. If you want to find someone who is vested in erectile dysfunction, you can go to edcure.org. So this is not my organization, not my hospital's organization, edcure.org. And they have a physician locator on there. You just type in your zip code and you'll get a list of physicians. And uh, th this is why, even if you look in my area, there's multiple people, myself included, that you can get the information for. And these are people who a big practice focus they have is erectile dysfunction. Because one thing I always tell patients, no matter who comes into me with erectile dysfunction, I always tell them, I promise you, I promise you I can restore your erectile function. It just depends on what you're uh, willing to do for it, right? Because certain men have prostate cancer, they've had their prostate removed, and it's come back, they've had radiation, so they have no function. They'll never respond to injections, they won't respond to medications, and so a lot of us do something called inserting a penile prosthesis, yep. which uh, is a sort of a pump that goes on the inside of the penis and really is the cure for erectile dysfunction for someone who has that degree uh, of issue. So one last question, man. Why did you follow this path in your medical training? Was there a reason behind or was it just a fascination or, hey, this sounds like a great way to go? What was the driver for you? Yeah, well, you know, getting into, you know, I always get, you know, why did you pick urology? You know, mm -hmm. I think even my parents still wonder why I ended up in this field. But, you know, the reason is you get kind of inspired by uh, those around you. And I happened to just meet a pediatric urologist uh, when I was in medical school. 
who I worked with and uh, I worked closely with her and, and she was incredible and she did reconstructive pediatric urology and really helped kids with their quality of life. And then in training, I met an adult reconstructive urologist who really was restoring people's quality of life. Uh, and throughout the process, you know, I really enjoyed doing surgeries where, you know, people are not feeling so good. And when they're done, they're feeling a lot better and they're a lot happier. And so there's no more joy I get than, you know, when you put in a penile implant in someone and, you know, a partner and the guy comes in and, you know, completely changed their life for the better. And so that's what I love about this field. That's awesome, man. Really good stuff. Again, Ron, thanks so much for being here, man. Really appreciate this conversation. And guys, take care of yourself, every part of yourself. Don't be afraid to have the conversations. Go do the stuff that puts you out of the comfort zone, which is what this podcast is all about. It's getting us out, getting us into those spaces where we feel a little bit vulnerable, but making sure we're having the right kind of conversations. So um, once again, Ron, thanks for being here, man. We'll have... Um, ways to kind of connect with Ron, places where you can find him. And I love that recommendation for edcare.org. That was a great one. So thanks again for being here. Rick, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. That's a wrap for 40 plus real men, real talk where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 plus real men, real talk where the conversations continue.